The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Welcome to the conversation. I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith. And thanks for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Sending a warm hello to the folks at Project Freedom Radio Network. And for everyone, just so you know, the archives are always available 24-7 through Voice America Variety, in iTunes, or through ComeBackToYourSenses.com. You can connect with me on Facebook at Come Back to Your Senses Radio or Leah Brenda Smith. The episode today was inspired by a post that I saw on Facebook last week. It was a picture of a man crying, and the caption on the photo said, It's okay for men to cry, with a question mark. And it really struck me, the whole idea and notion of what we've lived in our cultures about men and crying. So I thought, what a great, uh, what a great content for a show. Now, clearly, you know, we all know that experience that moves, the experiences that move us, move us deeply or move us to tears are not gender specific. Yet some cultures are still influenced by the old mixed conception about men and crying. Emotion from men, well, it still seems to be looked at as unmasculine or inappropriate, and sometimes it even frightens people, men and women. There is a wide range of ways that men and women express their emotions, and this can vary depending on the intensity of the emotion. It can depend on the person's overall sense of well-being. Sometimes it depends on where you are or who you're with. You know, when you have these moments where you suddenly find yourself welling up with tears. And clearly both men and women have assumptions about the appropriateness of men and crying. So today that's what we're going to do. We're going to explore this old notion, the notion that big boys don't cry. Men have been labeled the less emotional sex. And they're groomed. They're groomed to be the stabilizing force in the middle of the storm or to remain calm, cool, and collected, regardless of the circumstances. Now, naturally, it's not wrong for men to get emotional. 
in fact, it's unhealthy for anyone to keep their feelings bottled up or tucked it deep down inside of them. Yet, there are lists prescribing when it's appropriate for men to cry and when it's not. But the bottom line is that men have always cried. Yet the acceptability of male crying has varied across time and across different cultures. There are many references to men and tears in ancient Greek and Roman cultures. And in Homer's The Iliad, there's no conflict between Ulysses' heroic qualities and the inclusion of many episodes of his weeping, weeping for home, weeping for loved ones, and his fallen comrades. Yet Ulysses never breaks down out of loneliness or frustration, which the ancient Greeks didn't feel were acceptable reasons for men to cry. They also expected warriors to understand that there were times when public displays of emotion were acceptable and times when it was appropriate to cry alone. Ulysses frequently tries to hide his tears from those around him. And true, just like then, that is the case with everyone, men and women alike. Sometimes we cry around other people, and sometimes we cry alone. The Old Testament has so many references to weeping. The ancient Hebrews wept as part of their prayers to God and before going to battle. The Gospel writers didn't feel that tears were a threat to the manhood of Christ and respectively recorded that Jesus wept. Early church thinkers considered tears a gift and a natural complement to spiritual and transcendent experiences. The great theologian Thomas Aquinas, like the ancient Greeks, made the distinction between public weeping and the idea that it was frequently best to cry out of the view of others. There are also many references to male crying in medieval Japanese and European epics. The great warriors in both Beowulf and the tale of Heiki cry over great spiritual questions and the death of their comrades. The warriors in these stories are expected to cry about issues of war, of peace, about their ideals, and while well, the women wept over romantic and platonic relationships, or out of general sadness, loneliness, and sometimes frustration. Now, through the Romantic era, there was an acceptable and celebrated attitude towards male crying. Popular culture was full of sentimental literature and art, featuring men and women falling into each other's arms and bathing one another with their tears. 
tears were seen as proof of a man's sincerity, honesty, and integrity. But the Enlightenment ushered in a more rational ideal of manhood. Tears came to be seen not as an absolute virtue, but as something uh, somewhat manipulative, illogical, and even false. During the Victorian era, virtues thought to be exclusively feminine in nature were celebrated. Women were seen as dainty and fragile and full of emotion and love. Tears have always had a vulnerable and submissive quality to them and began to be seen as more befitting a woman than a man. But as of the 20th century, the ideal of the tearless male emerged within it. Cultural's view of male crying has continued to evolve into our day. And while we still expect men to cry less than women, in some cases, it has now become more acceptable for a man to cry than a woman, as has been the case with American public officials. Hillary Clinton's tears in New Hampshire brought some compassion, but also criticism, that such vulnerability made her ill-suited for leadership. Yet Mitt Romney choked up several times on various news programs without the slightest attention being paid to it. Sometimes men really are left in a gray area when it comes to crying in the modern age. Some people encourage men to let loose whenever the urge hits. But some adhere to that old idea that you can't squeeze tears from a stone and encouraging men to be more held and in control, that type of philosophy. I think that the key to male crying is more of a human issue and not a gender issue at all. I've often thought that there's really only one right time to cry, and that would be true whether you're a man or a woman. And the time to cry is when the tears well up within you, which is certainly not gender-specific. Now, obviously, it's wise to be mindful of the time and the place. As a clear example, in the middle of a business meeting, if you find yourself welling up with tears, you'd want to refocus on the content of the meeting and just have the emotion pass gently and quietly so as not to disrupt the meeting or really to draw attention to yourself. It's not so necessary or required for men to be continuously stoic. There are, of course, times when we feel sorrow or frustration so acutely that it really, it really must be let out. Yet there's a balance between a level of sensitivity that a Hallmark commercial can make you weep 
and shedding some tears over something that truly is significant. Just as there is a balance between releasing some man tears and turning into what is sometimes referred to as a, a blubbering idiot that makes everyone feel uncomfortable. If you are an individual who tears up frequently, it could really just be a sign that you are out of balance. And you may receive benefit from seeking the advice of a homeopathic doctor. There are homeopathic remedies that can be used to bring your emotions back into balance or back into a more balanced range. So for some of you, that might be just what you're looking for. Whether you're a man or a woman, homeopathic remedies are great for that. Because women cry more often doesn't necessarily mean that it's because women are more moody. It may be due to a protein that uh, has the name prolactin. And prolactin which also controls breast milk production, is present when men or women cry emotional tears. The protein gets the endocrine system flowing, making people more prone to crying. So compared to men, women possess as much as 60% more prolactin in their bodies. And another reason for men's stoic nature or at least their tendency to shed fewer tears, maybe that men sweat more than women do. When women sweat, they may release some of the toxins that are found in emotional tears, lessening their need to cry. Men also have smaller tear glands than women, so when they do cry, they cry fewer tears than women do. And while men tend to save their tears for major losses or disasters, women are more apt to also cry when they're tired, when they're stressed out, or when they're frustrated. And once middle age rolls around, things might change. As our hormones again begin to shift, men may cry more and women less. Crying is a normal physical reaction to a variety of emotions, and just about everybody cries at some point or another. But do women really cry more than men, just as most people think? Well, up till pre-puberty, boys and girls cry in equal amounts. But once adolescence hits, the rise in testosterone in boys really causes the crying to lessen, while the rising estrogen level in girls might bring them to tears more often. Researchers estimate that once they reach adulthood, women cry approximately four times as much as men. Let's say on average about 64 times a year for women, as opposed to 70, 17 times for men. The 
So the statistics and the variation in that really confirms that belief that men are reluctant to cry because it suggests a sensitivity that might be thought emasculated. The whole notion that big boys don't cry. They do not want their knees to tremble or their lips to quiver. And that is why we hear that keep a stiff upper lip kind of idea. You know, here's a list of what some men think are appropriate times for men to cry. As I mentioned earlier, they are, are prescribed times that people think it's appropriate for men to cry. But again, as I mentioned, personally, I think there's only one right time to cry, and that's when the tears are there. So here's the list, nonetheless. It says, the death of a loved one. The death of your loyal pet companion. When you first see the new life that you and your wife have created. When you proposed to the love of your life and she says yes. At the altar as you get married. When your first car or truck gets totaled. Visiting sites that pay tribute to those who laid down their lives for others. Describing a really spiritual experience. As an athlete, after the final game or match or event that you will ever play in. And then there's a, a list of when it's not okay for a man to cry. When your favorite sports team loses. When those around you are looking to you as a source of calmness and strength. To the point of irrational thinking or paralysis when you have a job to do. When you don't get your own way. When you're frustrated and there's no crying in baseball. So in the, the two lists, we can really see these ideas that we have in our culture about what's right and wrong and with regards to men and crying, so much so that these lists were actually uh, compiled by men. You know, and women are taught to be highly expressive and that is that they can express all of their emotions, especially by crying. And emotions have become the female trademark. But men report having feelings just as often as women do. They just don't express them, or at least don't tend to express their emotions in the same ways as women do. Girls and boys cry about the same amount of times, until they reach the age of 12. And by the time they are 18, women cry on an average four times more than men. So there is those differences, yet certainly not, not to require a stigma that men should feel that it's a shameful thing or feel embarrassed about welling up with tears. But we do have the statistics that support the old belief that women do cry more than men.
But sometimes, somehow, scientists are still sort of grappling with the idea because they don't actually exactly know why it's true. One of the theories is that women cry more than men, mostly because of social conditioning. And as males are growing up, they're urged to excel and become powerful, to never show their emotions, to be tough, independent, aggressive, and good problem solvers. Males in our culture, they often hear things like the big boys don't cry or take it like a man. Big boys don't cry. Well, except if you're president of the United States. That's what Elizabeth Bloomer, a columnist for the New York Times, she documented in a past article. She talked about the brawler-in-chief and suggested that maybe he was setting a new standard for men. She cites several accounts, some of them almost back-to-back, of George W. Bush shedding a tear. And he became the first American president to weep in Iraq. And reporters noted a very visible tear dripping down his cheek when he was greeted by the whooping American soldiers. And two days after September 11th, his eyes welled up during a phone call with Governor Giuliani. And the following day, he nearly lost his composure while speaking to the nation from the National Cathedral. So some would suggest that the president has helped, helped to make it safer for men to cry in the open. Now, it's true that we see more men crying publicly than we ever have before. However, the context has to be highly defined and emotionally charged to warrant such a display. It seems to take a war or an act of terror, like in the case of the president. You know, in an analysis of 500,000 adult men's adult men rated they rated just as high as women in their emotional awareness but men possess and express emotions differently than women and they don't have a roadmap for how to combine the masculine requirement of being strong and how to be emotional at the same time So generally speaking, what we're taught is that a woman cries and a man loses his temper, which seems to be a prevalent theme in many conflicts. Men and women react differently. The woman shows her vulnerability and the man remains in control. Now, obviously, these are generalizations, as we all know examples of women that are stoic and remain more in control. And we all have examples as well of men that are more relaxed with being vulnerable and vice versa. They're all generalizations, but clearly there is that stigma in our society about men and tears. 85% of women And 73% of men said that they felt better after crying. Which shows that tears may help 
remove the chemicals that build up after stress. And scientists and sociologists both say that women are more inclined than men to feel the urge to cry when they're frustrated. The science of crying is, is kind of fascinating. And Charles Darwin published his Expression of the Emotions in Man and Animals in 1872. And to Darwin, crying was a survivalist matter of the need for lubrication of the eyeball with the added benefit that making the nostrils damp kept the sense of smell alert so our prehistoric ancestors might better be able to detect dangerous predators. Contemporary science goes a little bit further. The convention is a three-way division of crying. There are basal tears, like the purely functional cleansing that Darwin mentions. And then there's reflex tears, the automatic response to irritation from onions or tear gas or a sharp blow to the nose or other source of pain. And then finally, there are psychic tears, which of course are the most interesting. Crying is one of the most articulate forms of nonverbal communication. And tears are a valuable and effective means of moderating our feelings. People often refer to having a good cry, but you never hear of anybody having a bad cry. So crying is also a profound way of protecting your feelings. As they say, a tear, like a picture, can be worth a thousand words. In art, the man of sorrow is Jesus, pictured naked above the waist and displaying the wounds of his passion. The link between the religious idea of crying away sins and our modern understanding that tears are, in fact, a reliable way of releasing toxicity in the body, releasing toxins from the brain, which is both exciting and maybe a little bit disturbing. Crying doesn't mean one thing. It can mean many things. And tears come in many forms. Crying indicates vulnerability. And psychologists believe that we empathize with a tearful person because we're reminded of a baby. But crying can also indicate terrible states of despair. Crying is sometimes evidence of emotional maturity and sometimes evidence of indulgence, self-pity, of pride, of shame, of joy, of sadness, 
or of anger. Sometimes tears demonstrate a touching vulnerability, and other times uh, an annoying manipulation. Is crying a wholesome style of fearless emotional nudity or an embarrassing lack of control? Really, in actuality, crying is all of these things, a little of this and a little of that. In Adam's Rib, the 1949 classic screwball comedy starring Katherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. They play a wife and husband who are lawyers on opposite sides. So she's defending and he's prosecuting a woman accused of attempting to murder her philandering husband. Now during the day, they argue the case in court. And at home at night, they go through a series of fights and then reconciliations, both convinced that they have justice and reason on their side. Now, during one fight, Hepburn begins to cry, and Tracy throws his hands up. Here we go again, he says. The old juice, a guaranteed he-man melter. A few female tears, stronger than any acid. But this time it won't work. You can cry from now until the jury comes in, but it won't make you right. Weeks later, when they're on the urge of divorce, he begins to cry. And when he sees that it has an effect, he cries some more. And then she joins him in tears, and they decide to stay together. Later, he admits that he had faked the tears to get her not to leave. But those tears were real, she insists. And he agrees. Of course they were, he says. But I can turn them on any time I want. Us boys can do it too. Only we never think to. Now, the fact is that neither Hepburn nor Tracy's characters turns them on artificially. Nor his claim to be able to control his tears is a bit of a classic male bluster. He also, self-evidently, exaggerates when he claims that men never think to cry, since he obviously has. Now, this dialogue was written at a time when the official line in American culture was that men didn't cry and women did, whether sincerely, strategically, or hysterically. But the simple fact is that men have always cried, and for many reasons. Well, sure, everybody sheds the occasional tear, but new research shows that some surprising trends behind the science of how and when we sob. A new study shows that as men age, they tend to cry more easily. Now, tears are universal, but not everybody cries the same way or with the same frequency. 
And researchers, they've been trying for years to figure out the biology and cultural forces that might explain the differences between the way men and women cry. Here are five discoveries about what science has to say about weeping. The first one is that money won't prevent crying. Women in wealthier Western economies cry much more than women in poorer countries where women have fewer rights. But crying's not the same in every language. There's a distinct melody in the way people cry in different cultures. It's like linguistic differences. For example, Germans emphasize the first syllable in the word papa, when the French stress the second syllable, papa. Now, newborns come into the world all crying the same way. But as babies grow up, they're socialized to a culture-specific manner of weeping. Big boys do cry. Men cry less than women in our society. But as men age, they tend to cry more easily. They might simply be provoked by humanity, camaraderie, and issues of morality. And in the past, they cried even more. Men are discouraged from crying from boyhood, but it wasn't always that way. Professor Tom Lutz traces the change to the Industrial Revolution, when mostly male factory workers were discouraged from letting emotions get in the way of their productivity. Men, including Jesus, cry in the Bible, and male tears are the norm, Lutz says. Men not crying is more of a recent historical abnormality. And the last of these is men detect a unique chemical component in the tears that women let loose when they're sad. And it, it discourages them from feeling sexually aroused, according to a study published in Journal Science. Chemical signaling is a form of language, says Dr. Noam Sobel. Basically, what we found is the chemo-signaling word for no, or at least not now. And here are some responses from men who were asked, when is it okay for men to cry? In my faith tradition, tears are understood to be an inner baptism and evidence of spiritual grace, since they can't be faked. In our prayers, we request them explicitly. My personal experience has been that it's best to confine tears to moments of personal prayer and worship. Men who cry in public are judged to be weak and unreliable. A simple rule to live by. Never cry because you feel sorry for yourself, but at least avoid it at all cost. Shedding a tear due to sheer beauty 
empathy or sympathy is always acceptable in moderation. And the next one. When you admit to your sister-in-law who you love and have known since she was four that your marriage is failing. When is it okay to cry? The next one says, honestly, I have to say that I have cried and will cry again. Having said that, it will never be from pain. My dog died. I cried. Seeing blind or disabled people makes me feel sad for the way that they have to live and makes me wonder why I'm so worthy of my health. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's okay for a man to cry, but I can't help having this innate, biologically implanted feeling that when a man cries from pain, he is soft. And another one, after combat, when buddies are wounded or dead, or just the adrenaline crash brings him into the dirt. The problem is, most guys can't combat the emotional roadblock. So we see even in getting some responses from men about when it's okay to cry, we see the stigma that's attached there isn't that sense of being encouraged to be free-flowing with their emotions. And then we have a professor of counseling and educational psychology at Indiana University talking about a report. He says that everyone needs a good cry now and then, even football players. And he speaks about a new study that shows college football players who think it's okay to cry say that after losing a big game, they have higher self-esteem than those tough guy players who say tears are a no-no. The researchers also found that players who show physical affection towards their teammates are happier. They studied how gender stereotypes about crying affect football players and how their beliefs regarding emotion on the field influence other aspects of their lives. The study showed that college football players accepted tearing up as a typical and appropriate reaction after losing a game. There is a stigma attached to men and crying because of society's expectations that dictate that men shouldn't cry. In sports, the saying, there's no crying in baseball, is humorous because it accurately highlights society's expectation for men, particularly those who play sports and are expected to be tough guys. Norms of traditional masculinity dictate that men should be tough, stoic, independent, and not ask for help. If a man does not engage in these restrictive behaviors, he's referred to as less than manly in the eyes of others. But social norms have a powerful influence over behavior, 
and men are uniquely influenced by expectations to conform to standards of traditional masculinity. But over the past three decades, there's been a lot of psychological literature in the study of men and masculinity. And these studies have repeatedly demonstrated that men who restrict their emotions and affections face numerous negative psychological, relational, and even physical outcomes. Men are socialized to limit their emotional expression. And this restriction of their emotional range contributes to higher levels of substance abuse and other maladaptive coping mechanisms. The research has also shown that men who have more expansive emotional repertoires have better self-esteem, better life satisfaction, more relationship satisfaction, and lower levels of depression and anxiety. So the research with the male athletes confirms these results in the athletes. Men who do not restrict their emotions and affection towards other men report psychological, better psychological outcomes. As exemplified by that term, you know, when you have that mental edge, when things are on your side, you have things going in the right direction, your focus is good, the mental edge. I have here also some heartfelt responses to question to the question, is it okay for men to cry? And some of the responses are from men and some of them are from women. I found them very, very interesting. It it shows you the, the, the weave of the patterns of the old ideas of the restrictions that have been placed on men and also the emerging new energy of the reality that the human beings are moved to tears sometimes and there's no need to restrict emotion in men or women when it comes to a crying. So the first one is, I will say this, I used to be a very angry person and never showed my emotions in the form of crying because I hate to cry. Then one fateful day in September, that all changed. I cried and cried as the horrifying images poured across the TV screen. Now, it doesn't take much. I get choked up every time I hear our national anthem, along with a lot of other little things. I'm still a strong person to hold my emotions in, but to be honest here, I feel healthier now now that I'm not so angry and that I allow myself to cry. It's a cleansing for the heart and the mind. I feel that there is nothing wrong with a man crying. It shows he has a heart and is just as human as a woman and a child. I found that to be so beautiful and so true. I've certainly experienced that with men that I've known in my family and also friends and people in the community. 
the shift that can happen when there is a lot of anger and really under that is tears and when the men allow themselves to shed the tears that they, they don't anger as easily or as quickly or as often. It seems to be that the anger is just holding the tears back. Here's another one. Real men aren't afraid to show emotion. My dad was six foot four and a drill sergeant in the army, a big strong man. I remember the first time I saw him cry at his mother's funeral. I was only about six years old at the time. That taught me that no matter how big, tough, and strong you are, emotions sometimes take over, and that's okay. If more men weren't afraid to express their emotions, a lot more marriages would stay together. And another. I feel if any human is in pain, it's okay to cry. It's so sad that in our society, men are taught to keep this, keep his feelings hidden, and we women can cry all we want to. Whenever a person is in pain, the pain that is kept hidden does more damage to the body than the pain that is released. There is only one time it is unacceptable for a man or a woman to cry, and that is when he or she is using tears as a form of deceiving or manipulating someone. The next one says, I fully endorse the right to feel, and that includes crying. I am raising five boys, and my goal is to allow them the choice whether to cry or to hold on. I do think that there are times and circumstances when it's preferable to restrain from showing emotion. Emotion is powerful and it can affect the observer, often negatively. Sometimes a man must be aware of his audience and elect not to express himself for the good of others. Teaching a boy to cry is brilliant. Teaching him how to express emotion is noble. Teaching him how to put others' interests ahead of his own selfishness is divine. Not all emotions are worth sharing all the time. What does it mean for a man to be strong? Does it mean he cannot cry or he cannot be vulnerable? That he has to be invincible and never show someone he trusts his weak or vulnerable side? Does that make him any less of a man? Or does it make him more human, genuine, and honest? Here's another one. 
The problem is that the going assumption says girls, women can cry in public, but boys and men should not, which is based on a simple-minded dualistic equation. This masks the fact that even some girls and women are not prone to crying, that what makes one person cry will not affect another person the same way. What does it mean when a man cries in a particular situation, when a boy cries, a woman or a girl? It might be a sign of strength. It might be a sign of weakness. It all depends. An openness and an open flow to emotion is not just crying, which is the extreme, but to understanding by first admitting one's feelings is largely discouraged in Western society. This affects not just males, but females too, who are often made to feel that the supposed male stance of not crying is superior and thus more desirable, thus closing down a whole section of human experience from the world which finds all this emotion terribly hard to channel. And then, it's too late for me. When I have cried in the past, I felt doubly bad. I felt bad for the original trigger event, and then I felt worse because I cried about it. The couple of times that I've let my guard down and cried, the response from my significant others has not been good. I know that tears are not bad and admire the folks who get some kind of catharsis when they cry. I'm raising my son to be more expressive with his feelings and we do not hesitate to show affection for one another, even if sometimes it involves wrestling. Maybe one day I'll find someone I can trust to share more vulnerable feelings and old grief. But for now, I'm okay with how I am. For now, I'm okay with how I am. And one more. Wow. Why is it that we as men cannot just be human? Why is it that we have to have rules when to cry and when not to cry, how to cry and where not to cry and so forth? Placing those rules upon our young boys has jaded some of their feelings and caused them to second-guess their emotions on what is being a man in times of leadership or compassion. Crying comes in different phases. There are tears flowing, whimpering, outbursts, and laughter. 
and each one of them has their place and is a great emotional outlet in its proper time. Do not place rules and restrictions on crying. Can you place a restriction on breathing? Both are good and vital for the soul. I really uh, appreciated these um, responses from men on their own experience of what it is about that has to do with men in crying. Um, they certainly uh, express themselves so beautifully. And again, we can hear the restrictions and the freedom. We can hear that there is some of that struggle still in our culture. And I just want to uh, end with a couple of sharings here from just potent examples of of experiences that we've had when um, a man cries out in public that really uh, mark a change in, in history. And there's one here, um, Cronkite, the famous anchorman for CBS. He had a reputation for being cool and composed, but he's probably best remembered for the moment that he lost a bit of his composure and captured a nation's heartbreak on November 22, 1963. Cronkite interrupted as the world turns to break the news that President John F. Kennedy had been shot. And at this point, the media was unaware if the wounds had been fatal and Cronkite began what he called the running battle between my emotions and my news sense. At 2.38, the news came in that Kennedy had died, and after making the announcement on air, Cronkite valiantly tried to keep from crying. He swallowed hard as his eyes grew moist and his voice filled with emotion. Recalling that fateful day several decades later, he said, I choked up. I really had a little trouble. My eyes got a little wet. What Kennedy had represented was just all lost to us. Fortunately, I grabbled hold before I was actually crying. And while news anchors have traditionally been known for historically reporting the facts, Anderson has become the poster boy for a more emotive style of covering the news. Cooper cut short his vacation in Croatia to be in New Orleans as Hurricane Katrina hit. Cut off from his producers for several days, Cooper made his way through the city, taking in the death and destruction, and on the fourth day of coverage, Cooper berated Louisiana Senator Mary Laundrie for her glib answers to his questions, and he then started talking to a group of desperate-looking evacuees one of which was holding an American flag. Cooper's emotions, which he had been, they really had been bubbling up to the surface for days. They spilled over, and tears ran down his face as the camera rolled. Well, not everyone is a fan of his emo anchor style. Cooper gets points for being himself and showing some genuine humanity. So we've really walked and talked through a wide variety of approaches and ideas on this subject of men and crying. 
And um, I know that there are uh, men and women, actually, the world over, that have unshed tears inside of them. And I really encourage you, if you are one such person, to find a way, to find a day, to find how it works for you to let go and let that emotion come forth, whether it's in the quietude with yourself, in prayer, or with a human being that you feel close with, or with the wind, or out in nature. We are human beings, we feel deeply, and the more we can keep current with our emotions and let things flow through us, the more we can experience the joys and the beauty that comes when we feel so deeply and we do become hurt by something that we care about. As always, it's a, uh, it's a pleasure and I'm always grateful to be able to bring you a show every week. I thank you again for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. I am your ever, ever grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith. And until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.